We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. This is Cheryl Broderson in studio with Jasmine Allnut. We're so glad to come back to you with another session of Women Worth Knowing. That's right. Yes. And we love these times because we've got a real live woman in the studio. Yes. <laughs> we love to throw these in and kind of just uh, catch everybody off guard. Yes. Fun. We're really excited when we have someone who's living. To yeah. Talk about. Somebody who's alive with us right now. <laughs> So this is um, Sherry um, Giroux, and we have the privilege. Uh, Sherry goes to our church. Mm-hmm. So that's really exciting. And one Sunday, um, I've talked to Sherry. I've talked to you a couple of times about yes. your ministry. But your husband came up to me, and he said, you've got to have Sherry on your show. <laughs> She's, like, amazing. Well, I was so impressed <laughs> that he had listened and known about That's a the, good point. The, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. But then also I'm like, yes. Like, no-brainer, why haven't I? <laughs> so, Sherry, will you tell um, tell uh, those who are listening just a little bit about your present ministry and what you do? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I oversee a jail ministry called Women of Purpose, mm. and we have been exi- in existence now about 18 years. Oh, wow. And I've been overseeing the um, jail ministry for about 11 years. And so um, we have speakers that come in. We go down to the Orange County Jail, and we have speakers that come in every week. Uh, We do our class on Saturdays, and we speak to the inmates. It's an actual class. Um, They have Bibles in the classroom. So I have speakers from all walks of life. Um, Some have been incarcerated, and they come in and share their journey and their story of what God has done in their lives. Um, I talk a lot about my background, heeding red flags in relationships, how to have healthy relationships. I talk about hope and redemption, forgiveness. Um, we mm-hmm. talk about anger issues, depression, everything relational to help an inmate better cope with being incarcerated. Wow. So it's it's an awesome program, and I feel so humbled to be running it, actually. And God has done amazing things through it. But wow. it's interesting to me, how how did someone like you, because you kind of look like Newport Beach, you know, <laughs> nobody's in here to see, but we're seeing some pretty good beauty here. And how did so, how did you get started in such a thing? How did, how yeah. did this happen? In jail ministry? Yes. Um, I'm going to actually share about my childhood. Love it. Ah, okay. We okay, love that. That'll so, tie in. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Because I feel like God really used what I went through to give me compassion for mm. hurting women. Wow. And so um, I was the youngest of three siblings, and I grew up in a very broken home, Mm -hmm. uh, which affected me greatly and left me feeling a lot of sadness and abandonment and loneliness and rejection. Uh, My parents first separated when I was nine, but their marital problems started way before they separated. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, my father was unfaithful to my mother uh, several times during their marriage, which caused a lot of tension in our home. Yeah. Yeah left my mother very unhappy and extremely depressed. So they argued a lot. So there was a lot of yelling, um, many nights of arguing, Mm -hmm. and a lot of unrest. So it was a hard environment to grow up in. Mm -hmm. Little ones, yeah. Um, I knew my mother had a very difficult childhood. She had an alcoholic stepfather, and her mother could be verbally abusive. Mm. Um, So it added to her depression and her anger and emotional instability and unavailability. Mm. She was very distant 
emotionally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So because of this, I felt the abandonment and loneliness of not having a peaceful home life. Right. So I either lived with my father, who would be off doing his own thing, or I lived with my mother. Mm -hmm. So when I was in my early teens, my mother had a nervous breakdown. Mm -hmm. And so I went to live with my father, who again was out almost every night to where I would be left alone again. So I was left alone a lot. And you were a teenager only at this point. Wow. Yes. So as I got older, I wanted to use my story, and I didn't want it to be wasted, but pour into women's lives who struggle with the same issues of a broken home. Now, I want to ask you, mm. when did you come to know the Lord? Um, fortunately, my father took us to church when we were young. Oh, so wow. I knew about Jesus at a very young age, and I was the type that I brought all my little friends to to Aww. Sunday school yeah. and, you know, and I knew about Jesus. And unfortunately, due to my mother's anger towards my father, she would not go to church with us, but my dad did take us to church. So he really, I feel, planted that foundation. Mm -hmm. But I had strayed away, um, probably I would say around maybe 11, 12, when my parents were really having severe uh problems in their relationship. Mm -hmm. But I knew about Jesus as a young age. Yeah. That's that's amazing. So it was is. that part of you think your draw to tell your story and make your story count? My major draw was everything that I went through mm -hmm. as a young girl, the abandonment, the loneliness, the feeling left alone. And I feel that God, because we can either allow our circumstances to rule us the rest of our lives, mm -hmm. or we can bring beauty from ashes. And that's how God restores. He restores hearts. Amen. He restores lives. He brings forgiveness. And that's that's how I feel what he did in me. Mm -hmm. So um, like I said, I was left to, to kind of grow myself up, basically. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have a lot of guidance or protection that I needed from a father that is so crucial for a young girl. Absolutely. And at 14 and a half, um, I started working at a gas station, pumping gas. Wow. Uh, yeah. Pumping 14. gas, cleaning <laughs> windows, 14 and a half. Whoa. And because I didn't want to be at home, mm -hmm. I just wanted to be out. I wanted to make money. And I remember when I went on the interview and the manager said, look at my hands. And they were like extremely greasy. He goes, your hands are going to look get this greasy. I said, I don't care. I just want to work. So that was my first job. Wow. Um, when I was 15 and a half, I worked at a local taco place where I grew up in Southern California. And I was held up at gunpoint. Oh, my goodness. I was held up at gunpoint, still living with my father. So after it happened, the police came and took a report, and of course, I was in shock. Mm -hmm. So I drove home, and I noticed my house was dark. There was nobody there. I walked into the house, still reeling from what had happened, mm -hmm. and I was calling out for my father, and he must have not—he must have been out again, like many nights that he was. So all I could do was grab my dog, and I drove to my mom's house, and I remember feeling, wow, I just had a traumatic experience happen to me and no one to comfort me. Right. Mm. Um, I felt very alone, of course. So when I walked into my mom's house, all I could say was I was just held up at work. I have a bad headache. I need some aspirin. So I was evidently in shock. But my mother, who suffered from depression, didn't really hug me. She emotionally, I don't think, could handle what had just happened. And I know she was concerned, but her depression suffered um, that she suffered really dominated her emotions a lot. Wow. So I called my sister, who was um, 
living with a friend of hers, and her boyfriend at the time was a paramedic. And she goes, I'll come over because I needed somebody Mm -hmm. to talk to. I'll come over and I want Dawn to look you over and make sure you're okay. Um, So that was a crazy situation. Mm -hmm. But at 17, um, my sister and I, we were living with my dad. But again, it was like being by ourselves, living by ourselves because he was gone a lot. And my sister gave her life back to Christ. Mm. And I was so empty inside. All I could do was cry out to God. And so I accepted Jesus back into my heart. Um, so that's that's how I came back to the Lord. Mm. Um, Sweet. Later in life, um, both my parents did come back to the Lord, even though they had already been divorced. Wow. And thankfully, my dad... Um, he died at age 67, and wow. but he was living for the Lord. That's a miracle. And um, <laughs> my mother, you know, uh, really gave her heart back to the Lord later in life. But the remnants of not having a stable home really affected me still at this point. Mm. So when I was 19, I felt this overwhelming burden and compassion for women who were incarcerated. Because even though I was never in prison or jail myself, I felt imprisoned by my own hurts Mm. and rejection growing up. Mm, And I thought to myself, I know what it feels like to not feel good enough, but God doesn't think of us that way. Mm -hmm. Even when we fail and fall short, he loves us and wants to bless us and has a plan for our lives far greater than we could imagine. But the fact that this would be centered on incarcerated women. You know, I was just reading Ephesians 2.10 yesterday mm. that God has foreordained the good works that we should walk in. Yes. And that this was something that God was already putting on your yeah. heart at 19 years old. Yes. Crazy. I mean, you yeah. don't hear about other 19-year-olds that are like, I'm I have concerned. a burden for prison ministry. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yes. It's yes. so God. Especially, too, because you hadn't been in jail personally. No, That's a real I've very never been specific in jail, calling. But I well. felt imprisoned by... The abandonment, right. by being left alone, by uh, feeling lonely and but isolated. I don't know how many girls would interpret it that way. Yeah. You know, yeah. especially It was God. It yes. is so God. Because jail ministry is a calling. Absolutely. It is a calling. Absolutely. It's not for everybody. And um, yes, at that age, mm-hmm. um, I remember attending um, a service at our church that I was attending at the time. This lady came up to me. And she said, you are small, but you are mighty, says the Lord. Mm. I love you, and I haven't forgotten you. And it was as if this lady knew everything that I had been through in my life. And that so ministered to me, and it impacted me so much um, that I thought, I want to help other women that are struggling too. And it was like a confirmation that God wanted to use me in the places like jails and prisons to uh, share God's redemptive power, that he can change lives. Mm. And um, that he sees all that we go through. He sees the pain, the loneliness, the depression, all of it. He sees it. And mm-hmm. it was at that time I knew I was called to minister to those incarcerated. Mm-hmm. That's so, amazing. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I attended a ministry meeting um, at a local church where I grew up, and I started going in with a team into the jails. And unfortunately, I got distracted and I was, you know, still very young. So mm. I started dating this young man. And a few months after we were dating, he started getting very verbally abusive. Mm. And then it escalated to physical abuse. Mm. 
several times in the relationship, actually. And the problem that I didn't heed to was the red flags that I felt in my heart about this person. There were checks in my heart that I kept pushing aside, and I would brush off the verbal abuse and how critical he was, thinking, oh, that's just his humor or his personality. But when the physical abuse happened several times, I knew I had to get out of this relationship. And it did he claim to be a Christian or something? Yes. Or was it, wow. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh. Yes. Not a very strong Christian. Right. Yes. Okay. Um, when you don't have the guidance, and I share this a lot with the inmates that I minister to, from your earthly father, and a lot of us don't, mm-hmm. but God is our heavenly father. Amen. You can get caught up in the need to be needed. And the acceptance I didn't get from my earthly father, it clouded my clear thinking, so to speak. Hmm. So unfortunately, I didn't have the wisdom to heed the red flags when I was dating this young man. But thank the Lord for his protection because I was able to break it off. But it made me even more determined to help women that have gone through the same hurts. And a lot of the women in jail, unfortunately, they return to those unhealthy relationships when they are released because they don't know any different. They Mm -hmm. return to what they feel comfortable with. And I am very adamant that these women who have suffered in this way, returning to unhealthy relationships or even unhealthy friendships, Mm. um, that God is the only one who can fulfill that need Mm -hmm. uh, that we have for unconditional love. He's the only one. Mm -hmm. And acceptance and approval. I didn't feel the approval from my own father, so I was vulnerable and ended up in an unhealthy relationship Mm. to feel needed. So after that happened, I spent time working on myself, and I met this wonderful woman that really became my mentor. And um, she walked me through not only the loneliness and sadness of my home life, which I don't believe I ever really dealt with, but she I had stuffed it down actually for years, but she helped me to understand why I ended up in an abusive relationship. But what the enemy meant for evil, and this is what I tell the ladies mm-hmm. in jail, God means for good. Amen. Um, because from that situation, I have ministered to countless women who have made those same bad choices and have no self-worth and who don't see themselves the way God sees them. That's so good. Yeah. It's so good to the way the Lord can take a negative like that and make it a positive, make it part of your journey, part of your story. Plus, it imparts grace. Yeah, because so many of those women, you know, they feel so condemned and they're down on themselves. Like I did this to myself, but yeah. when someone like you comes in and says, "No, no, I get it. We're all vulnerable. It's so yes. good, so healthy." Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. and it's important for me to keep telling them, mm-hmm. "God, God has that plan for you," mm-hmm. and. Whether it's being single or married, God has a beautiful plan and purpose Mm -hmm. to unfold. Mm -hmm. Don't get distracted, Mm -hmm. you know, and I've shared that with them many, many times because Mm -hmm. I care about them. I want them to flourish when they get out. I don't want them to return back to to jail. Mm -hmm. Um, But a few years later, I got involved with Gleaner's Jail Ministry, and I was a part of a team that played for the chapel services. And I also took one-on-one counseling courses, and I would go in to the James A. Music Facility Jail, and I would just go in, and um, some of the girls, they would put in— like a referral to want to talk to somebody. So I would go in and sometimes they just needed somebody to talk to, um, someone, you know, sometimes counsel, some sound advice. And so I would do that as well, just as a volunteer. And then a chaplain with Gleaners 
um, God gave me a wonderful opportunity to go down with a team to Mexico. And we went down to a jail in Mexico and ministered there and did uh, worship there. And the chaplain gave a message. And several inmates came forward and committed their lives to Jesus. It it was quite an experience, very Mm eye-opening. And I thought what was interesting is the chaplain explained to us that sometimes the women and children live there with their husbands that are incarcerated because they cannot afford to live on their own. So what they do is they set up shops and they sell things in order to provide. So it's like the whole family being incarcerated. So um, I thought that that was really amazing. Mm -hmm. And the need was overwhelming. Um, But to be able to share Christ and his love with them, it made all of us so grateful just to be able to be there. And it was very humbling, to say the least. Um, I'm going to kind of share how I met Ron, if that's mm-hmm. okay. Oh, yeah, I'd love yeah. to. Yeah. Oh, we love that part, too. Yeah, that's a good part. Yes. So <laughs> We always when, talk about how. <laughs> yeah, talk about our yes. husbands. So when I was still serving with Gleaners Jail Ministry, a gal that I did ministry work with said, I want to introduce you to this guy named Ron. And I said, no, <laughs> I, I just oh. want to do my ministry work. Wow. I, I just want to yeah. concentrate on God and what he's doing through me in the jails. And then a month later, she said, no, I, I really want you to to meet this this guy. He's got a real heart for ministry like you do. And that was always my prayer. God, if you want me to, to meet someone and eventually get married, I would love to marry a man that has a heart for ministry. Mm-hmm. And if you want me single, I want to serve you bringing hope to those incarcerated as long as you'll allow me to do that. So um, Ron was a part of a worship team at his church for many years, and we both had a heart to serve the Lord in any way that we could. So while we were dating, Ron and I had the opportunity to do worship at the Orange County jails, and then we went in with a chaplain to Cottonwood Church. So wow. we did that mm-hmm. together. But... Um, One of my most significant jobs was um, I always volunteered in the jails, but I got laid off of my job. Actually, Ron and I had just started dating. It was 1993, Mm -hmm. and I was looking for another job. And I found this ad that this organization called Match 2 Prisoner Outreach was hiring program coordinators full-time as a paid position. And one of the jobs was to oversee two women's prisons for the purpose of friendship evangelism. Wow. And the ad said, jail ministry experience was helpful. And I thought, that's me. I want to work full-time in the prisons, and I have years of jail ministry experience. So I sent in my resume, and I prayed for God's will, and I got a call to be interviewed. And then and I got hired the next evening. I'll never forget it. I was talking to a girlfriend of mine, and I said, I think, I think match two is on the other line. But um, it, was, it was a miracle because, um, you know, I was uh, single, and I needed—I was supporting myself and needed to have a job. Mm-hmm. And it's so true that God has his best for us if we just wait on him. Amen. And sometimes that's hard. Yeah. But although it was a little intimidating because it was a huge responsibility— to oversee two women's prisons, I prayed and committed it to the Lord that if this job was what he wanted for me, he would enable me to mm-hmm. do that. And um, so a little bit about Match 2, it was the largest visitation program in all the state and youth prisons and jails in California. Wow. And it was funded by the Department of Corrections. So we had a contract with CDC, and it fell under the guise of a social services prob- uh, program. 
So I was a program coordinator for California Institution for Women and California Rehabilitation Center in wow. Norco. Wow. And I had around 185, 185 volunteers in my program that I oversaw. Wow. So my job was to recruit, train, and personally match each volunteer with an inmate that applied for our program. Wow. So I had ongoing training for the volunteers because not everybody has the experience of going into a prison. And so I had to really train and keep training and managing my program so it ran smoothly and that all the rules of match two and the prisons were followed. Mm. But the premise was to match an inmate who had few or no visits uh, with a volunteer on the outside for the purpose of mentorship and friendship evangelism. So I spoke at churches and provided prison ministries also for churches and spoke at women's groups and recruited my own volunteers. So... Uh, Match 2 office was on the grounds of the youth facility in Chino, so during the week I would cold call pastors and ministries to speak at their church, and then on Fridays I would be at my prison institutions all day interviewing the inmates that applied for our program. So they had to meet a criteria. Mm -hmm. They had to have fewer no visits in order to apply, mm. and then the volunteers would have to be cleared. I would have to get them all cleared. Then I would do an orientation at my office, match them up with an inmate, and then we would all drive to the prison and I would introduce them to their inmate friend. Wow. But was, what was very sad for me to hear was the, the statistics that women receive far less visits than men mm. who are incarcerated. Wow. Interesting. Huh. And the women inmates who applied for a match to volunteer were isolated and had no one to come visit them. Mm. Um, I had a high-profile inmate whose case was televised uh, in my program whose husband turned her kids against her. And her son only came to visit maybe once a year, wow. uh, if that. So I made it a priority to get this inmate and other inmates that had no visitation a match to friend. Mm -hmm. And it was a proven fact that if an inmate had regular visitation, it helped them cope better while being incarcerated, yeah, lowered sure. recidivism, and gave them hope. Mm -hmm. So what was so special was when I took over the program at Match 2, it had already been around for like 22 years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And But they had lost their contract for a few years. Um, but I got to know volunteers that had been matched with their inmate friend for 10, 15, 20 years where that same volunteer had been visiting that same inmate Sweet. all that time. Mm -hmm. Because even when we lost the contract for a couple of years, the volunteers still visited their inmate friend faithfully. Mm. And wow. one volunteer would bring her whole family on Christmas Day and visit her inmate friend and because she was really part of the volunteers' family. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. And stay there all, all day for Aww. Christmas. And my heart really poured into the lifers yes. at CIW. Yes. Because mm -hmm. a lot of the women there had no one to visit them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if an inmate on the psychiatric ward would put in an application, I knew I couldn't match them up because they were either on medication or had some health issues mm -hmm. until they returned to the main yard. Sometimes I would just go on the psych ward. I would have the deputy call the inmate out because I just wanted to sit and talk with her. Yeah. You know, she right. felt them lonely some and isolated. Right. Yeah. Right. And I would just say, as soon as you're back on the main yard, I'll make it a point to get you a match to friend yeah. so that you're not feeling alone. And um, so oh, that wonderful was just for them to have somebody who's kind. Yes, at least someone. I mean, just someone yeah. who's kind, you know, 
Yeah. I, I loved it. It was yeah. a privilege for me to do that. Mm. Um, I also had banquets twice a year where the inmates would help me decorate. Mm. They We would do a cake. They'd help mm-hmm. me put up streamers. And <laughs> the warden would come and speak and the deputies and just how much hope that Match 2 program gave the ladies in the prison and um, how regular visitation really made a difference in their lives. And I would have some of the inmates get up and share, you know, mm-hmm. and it was, it was so I would have banquets like twice a year. And um, but it made it really special. There was um, one really fun story, if I may share Please. about um, I was going to work at because uh, I worked on Fridays at my institutions all day. So I was walking down the sidewalk towards my office and uh, one of the inmates was the plumber. And she was the neatest gal. She was like 6'2", and she had her wrench with her, you know. And she's like, hey, you know, Miss Fisher, that was my maiden name. She said, if anybody give you guff, you send them to Pauline, you know. (laughs) And she goes, so. Wow. She goes. "Um, And what are you, 5'1"? I'm five feet. (laughs) You needed her. Yes, and I said, oh, Pauline, I said, you're so sweet. Well, they, her and her roommate, which Mm -hmm. her roommate was a secretary, Mm -hmm. and she was a secretary to my community resource manager who, at every prison, we had a liaison who was Mm -hmm. our community resource manager. So Pauline and the other gal, um, they invited me to have lunch with them in their cell. Mm -hmm. And I said, I love it. I love mm-hmm. it. When do you want me to come? I, I have kind of a busy day today. How about next Friday? Mm-hmm. They said, okay, we're we're looking forward to that. And so I I told them I'll get there a little early. So I walked on the um uh, you know, their unit. And I told the deputy I was having lunch with these two wonderful women. And she's like, Oh, great, you know, and they had their cell open. I walk in and they made me a cardboard cut out cardboard in the shape of a toilet so I had a place to sit <laughs> and they served me lettuce and bread and a piece of ham and water oh, and cute. we just had the best time mm-hmm. talking and sharing and here mm-hmm. I am sitting in a jail cell with these two wonderful women and I thought I felt so honored there was I mean I wouldn't even want to go to a fancy place for dinner mm-hmm. I'd rather be there sitting there having lunch it's with like, these two yes. wonderful women and we just had the best time mm-hmm. talking Love it. And sharing. Mm-hmm. That's so precious. sweet. Yeah. Um, so after working for Match 2, um, it was the job of two and a half people. Sometimes I worked like oh, yeah. seven days a week. Jeez. I wanted to go back to school and start a family. And I You knew guys I, weren't married yet. Oh, you yes. were married by now. Yes, okay, I was yeah, married. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, no, yeah, Ron and I. Yes, yeah, okay, yeah, you were like, we need to start a family. Yes, yes, yeah, that's yes. A lot. Ron and I had had gotten <laughs> married, and um, and so after three years working at Match Two, I wanted to go back to school and start a family, and um, so I went back to school and got my cert- certificate as a medical assistant, and then a few years later got pregnant, mm-hmm. and being a mom by far has been my greatest joy. I mean, I was very involved in my daughter's school, the homeroom mom every year, the whole, the whole nine <laughs> yards. But I always prayed, God, if you want to lead me back into jail ministry, you open the door mm-hmm. at the right time. So when my daughter was three, actually a, a friend of mine who was one of my volunteers with Match 2 said to me, Sherry, I want you to go to a MOPS group, Mothers mm-hmm. of Preschoolers. Aww. And I said, oh, okay, you know, I'll go to a class. And I really enjoyed it. I became a table leader and I just loved it. And you've heard of Mo- Mothers oh, yeah. of Preschoolers. I've oh, yeah. spoken at that quite a few times. Yes, <laughs> yes. yes. 
And the leader on Fridays felt God give her a vision wow. to start mops inside the James A. Music Facility Jail that wow. I had ministered to for wow. so many years. Wow. And she came up to me and said, I know you used to work in the prisons. Are you interested in a pilot program as a volunteer? I said, sign me up. I'm there. Wow. I'm already there. Wow. And so um, we took mops into the Orange County Jail. Everything except the hot breakfast. We had a speaker, we did a craft, we did a devotion. There was like a team of like two to three of us that would go in every week. Mm. And um, I just loved it. We would talk about relational issues, parenting, um, sharing our testimony of what God has done in our lives uh, to transform us, um, unforgiveness and anger issues, how to cope, how to have hope through Jesus Christ. So we shared all these issues that these women were going through Mm -hmm. to rebuild their lives. And that even though we've all made mistakes, um, that God is in the business of redeeming our Mm -hmm. lives. Mm -hmm. And it was very sweet, um, a milestone that happened when we were there at the facility, um, CBS had heard about our program and wanted wow. to come in wow. and film uh, what we were doing. And some of the inmates hadn't seen their children for like a oh. year or six months. Oh. And it was reuniting wow. some of the children wow. with their, their wow. the inmates. Wow. And it was, oh, unbelievable. Get it on film. And, unbelievable. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. And so that was really, really an emotional day. And, um, <laughs> I remember uh, we had Nick Vojcic come in and share. He has no arms and no legs. And the gal that led the the group um, had stepped down to do some other ministry work. So another gal had taken over uh, to lead the MOPS jail ministry. And um, she had asked Nick, she um, was very involved in his ministry, if he would come in and share with the men and women. And it was so funny when he was going through the gate, he made a joke like, oh, you know, I, I, you know, I can't handshake right now, you know. And it was so funny. The deputies were just laughing and mm-hmm. you Broke just couldn't hear a pin drop. It was <laughs> yes. so special how mm-hmm. he shared with the men and with the women. And so... Um, the gal that was leading it at that time um, stepped down to be a grandmother. And like I said, she um, uh, had asked me if I wanted to oversee the program since I had a lot of jail ministry experience. And so um, I said, yes, I will oversee this jail ministry. And um, that's how I ended up changing the name to Women of Purpose because uh I didn't want inmates that didn't have children feel like they couldn't be a part of the program. And so that's that's how it all started that's with women of purpose. And you're still doing like those same subjects. I mean, MOPS opened up your eyes to kind of some of the needs mm-hmm. of what they needed to learn, like unforgiveness. Uh, to Specific forgive. needs, right. yes. yeah. Yes. To yes. forgive the red flags, as you mentioned yes. earlier. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I have my speakers are from all walks of life. Mm-hmm. Some of them, like I said, have been incarcerated. Some will come in and we can bring our Bibles in, mm, right. and which um, is wonderful. Mm. And we're a Christian class. Mm-hmm. And I'm so um, thankful to the Lord because our divisions coordinator um, who works at the prisons and she's worked. I've known her ever since I've been uh, 
going into the jail, uh, to the jail facility in Irvine, she's a Christian. And so she oversees all the programs that come in. So I, I said, you know what? I want to be known as a Christian class. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to bring our Bible. She mm-hmm. said, Sherry, anything you want, you got it. I said, good. Wow. And favor. So, That's awesome. Yes. And that is only the Lord. And mm-hmm. so I teach a lot about heeding red flags, how to not repeat the cycle mm-hmm. of unhealthy relationships when they get out of jail, how to put their hope and trust in the Lord to rebuild their lives, and mm-hmm. that he's the only one who can give them that hope Amen. and that restoration. And um, these women, they it's voluntary. They don't have to be in the class. They, they volunteer to come to the class. Mm-hmm. They big. can get credits for, like, if they go to court wow. to say, um, mm-hmm. I'm in oh, the women, of, class. women okay. of purpose, yeah. mm-hmm. you yeah. know, jail ministry class. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and they're wonderful. That's, they're wonderful. Yes. Yeah. And I, I just want to end my story with that. The relationship with my mother became a lot healthier as I got mm. older and, Um, Of course, she loved Ron, and um, being a grandmother was the highlight of her life. And my mother was just wonderful. She actually worked for the Salvation Army and retired from the Salvation Army. And my daughter was just the joy of her heart. Mm -hmm. And I was so happy to see that my mother could be happy, Mm -hmm. you know, and have joy in her life. And um, Mm -hmm. so that, that I'm very, very thankful for. And if my story can encourage these women in jail, then I feel like I've done what God has called me to do. Absolutely. Because Romans eight twenty eight, all things work together for good for those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. And so I have seen in my 20 plus years of being involved in this kind of ministry, how God has healed lives. He's healed broken hearts. Um, he, he has allowed me and the other women that have been involved to um, share with these women that they matter. Yeah. They need to know they matter, mm-hmm. that they're not forgotten, and that their lives have meaning, even at the lowest point in their lives as far as being in jail, that God can use that for good. And even if you didn't grow up in a home where there was divorce or abandonment, we all have a story. That's right. We all have a mm-hmm. story. That's right. And um, there is always a testimony that everyone has that can give hope to a woman in jail that has no hope. And some of these women, it's their first offense, and they find themselves in jail and can be scary and intimidating. Right. So if we come in and share about how Jesus heals our lives and their first offense is their last offense, we've done our job. Amen to that. We've done our job. Yep. And so um, God Mm -hmm. is the God of first, second, third, fourth, fifth, forever (laughs) chances. Mm -hmm. And so without him, we have nothing, but with him, we have everything. Amen. Well said. (laughs) Sherry, that's why you're a woman worth knowing. And that you've made all of these women in this prison women worth knowing by giving Mm. them that respect, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, kind of why we started this podcast was is to give honor back to to women. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. No matter what walk of life they're doing, when you turn it over to the Lord, all of a sudden you become a woman worth transforms knowing. it all. Yeah. And, and I love that. Thank um, you. We're going to, we have to close the program <laughs> for today, but man, thank you so much for being our guest. It's yeah. my pleasure. Thank you. And again, I if you've it. got a, a comment or you've got a story that you want to let us know, please write us at Gracious Words and then go to 
graciouswords.com. Go to the link, Women Worth Knowing. We want to hear from you because Sherry was right there. Yes. And we're so (laughs) excited to have had her on the show today. Thank you again. Mm -hmm. And until next week, this is Cheryl and Jasmine saying, thanks for joining us. Yeah, Yeah. perfect. Come again. That's what I'm going to (laughs) say. Yes. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at wwk at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett.